1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at Irish Breakdown. You know that, dude. That's Ryan Roberts, and we are back for round two of today's episodes of Irish Breakdown Podcast, and we are going to talk recruiting. Notre Dame just picked up a commitment from offensive lineman Joe Odding. Ryan, this has been a very 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 interesting recruitment and it is a lot like sam pendleton's it happened very very quickly uh big pickup Uh, now let's be honest the first thing that people are going to talk about it's not a sexy pickup three-star kid all those type of things but this is a kid that that notre dame iowa wanted bad and and there aren't many teams around the country that produce offensive linemen the way that notre dame and Iowa do that's for sure
2: yeah no absolutely i i it So it came down just for everyone to know. It came down between Notre Dame, Iowa, and Kansas State as kind of the final school that was in that top group. Like you said, Brian, this one we had learned from Coach Arnold, who is the head coach there at Hayden, that they first contacted Coach Arnold and Joe around November of last year, around Thanksgiving kept tabs on him. Right. Mm -hmm. But then coach, he stand was there pretty recently when they, right when they offered him to just try to size him up a little bit, you know, to make sure Mm -hmm. he checks out from a size perspective, from a growth potential perspective, all those check marks kind of. And then recently he gets the offer and then he comes back this past weekend for Mm -hmm. camp. And again, I think the coaches staff takes the opportunity to take a look at Joe project him a little bit, and make sure that they're comfortable with the type of player he is. Because the film's outstanding. Right. There's no question right. about that. It's about the growth potential, right. what his body type is, all that good stuff. He checks right. the box again. Here we are, Joe Otting, right. part of the class officially.
1: So what we were going to do is we were going to explain to you all why Joe Wadding was going to commit to Notre Dame and what he might like about Notre Dame. But we figured, you know, might be a better idea is just let Joe explain why you committed to Notre Dame. So... With that in mind, we have Joe Odding on the show, everybody. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah,
3: No problem. I appreciate y'all having me.
1: Yeah, of course. So, I mean, this has been a whirlwind for you. I mean, you got your offer little, barely over a month ago.
3: Yep.
1: And now here you are, June 7th. Notre Dame is the school. What was it about Notre Dame? What was it about this last month or so that made you say, hey, this is the move for me?
3: You know, growing up as a kid, you know, growing up. In a Catholic community, uh, I go to Catholic high school right now. Um, Notre Dame's kind of always been a dream school of mine. Um, we wear the blue and gold as well at the high school. And so just coming on, just growing up and wanting to play for the Fighting Irish is only something I wanted to do. And uh, finally getting that uh, opportunity is just something crazy to me. And uh, it's been great. That's why I committed. You're,
1: I mean, you're a redhead, right? So, I mean, the red is going to show. But, like, I, you and I talked about 10 minutes ago, and you were still red. You're glowing. You're clearly excited, man. What's it? What was yeah. it like the minute that you just decided that, you know what, this I'm going to do, and then, you know, talk to the staff and let them know, like, okay, like, we're, we're doing this?
3: You know, it was a big relief off my shoulder. You know, this recruiting process is very stressful. Um, very blessed to be in it, of course. But just finally having that commitment is just – big relief and i'm pumped about it
2: joe let me so, ask you this because i i know that coach Heestand, from talking to you a little bit in the past was a big element to this recruitment right and obviously when he came to the visit and just kind of was able to meet you in person for the first time i think things really started to heat up then obviously right right um after you got the offer take us through your relationship with coach Heestand and how instrumental he's been throughout this process for you
3: yeah he's been great you know we stay in touch uh Periodically throughout the week, Um, I have a phone call about every week. And it's always good talking to him, just the knowledge for the game he has and his history of just developing linemen and the history of uh, offensive line units he's had. It's just something to be said for. And it's why I really love him and excited to play for him, no doubt.
2: Yeah. And I know I love this is my,
1: Ryan, real quick. I'm sorry. This is my favorite response so far. This has kind of been, you know, speaking to Coach Easton, this is the deal. If Harry likes you, I love you. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I think getting that seal approval from Coach Eastan was 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 a big part of that. Ryan, go ahead with your next question with your follow-up.
2: Yeah, no, I, w- I was just going to say, Joe, obviously you got to see Coach Eastan in action this past weekend, obviously. See him coach a little bit. See some of his star pupils of the past, right? Which I know is obviously a big thing for coming to Notre Dame. Talk to me about seeing him in person, coaching live, seeing some of the greats that have come through Notre Dame. How big of an impact was this past weekend for you from that regard?
3: Yeah, it was big, you know, being taught by Zach Martin was huge, it was great being uh, coached up by him, and just um, seeing how instructive they all are, and the technique and everything, it was, it was great, um, I learned a lot, and I'm very glad I went.
1: So what were some of the things when you talk about kind of working with Coach Isan and working with Zach Martin? Is it – what were some things that you kind of say, okay, I'm watching these guys and working with these guys. These are some of the best to do it. What were some things you were able to pick up that you say, okay, look, when I go home and I get ready for fall camp and I go to my senior season, these are things I'm going to try to take and apply to my game as I continue to develop as a player?
3: Yeah, so the Notre Dame camp is – they taught what Notre Dame does, and not a lot of camps do that. And so – learning just the inside zone technique and run blocking and also just the pass sets. You know, it was good learning them from single handedly from Zach Martin and Coach Easton. And so I'm definitely going to use that this summer to develop and turn it into my uh, bag I have as a player.
1: Now, Joe, I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer this question but or if there was a moment, but as you kind of go through this process, you know, you met Coach Easton in the school. You you go through the last month, you get the offer and the camp and all that. Was there a moment where it where you just kind of knew like, okay, this is what I'm doing, or did it did it kind of slowly build to that? What was that moment like when you just knew like, okay, this is the move?
3: Um, it kind of slowly built up. You know, Notre Dame was always the dream offer uh, in my process, and so when Tom when Coach Reese kind of came through, uh, that was awesome. And then once once Coach Stan came to school and just talking to him. And just, as I said before, his knowledge of the game and just um, what he brings to the table is just something to be said for. And so, yeah, that's what that's what I said. I know, Joe, One I, of the I, things got
2: a, I got the ability to. Uh, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. No, go go for it, man. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Joe. So I talked to Coach Arnold this morning. I know that oh, really? your family is probably very excited i know he's excited i know the whole hayden community there at the high school is excited can you talk just a little bit about the excitement from not you but from the supporting um, from your support system that's around you
3: yeah it's something to be said for you know everyone is very excited for me Um, just the catholic community you know everyone loves notre dame down here so it's very awesome to see and it's a blessing that everyone's happy for me it's awesome
1: uh, last question, Joe, I just wanted to ask you this. Um, one of the things we were told is that that you had made your decision, but you didn't want to say anything publicly until you had a chance to kind of talk to all the other schools that were, were looking at you. Uh, which I found quite admirable. But what is the challenge as a recruit, not specifically other coaches? What's the cause I think a lot of people think like there's just this one school and that's the only school I like. And they don't realize like, you know, there's a lot of schools that oh, yeah. that you connect with. What what was, you know, kind of when you look at that, what's this experience been like for you as you've gotten to know, you know, the forenses and, and that O-line tradition and Coach Kleiman and his staff at Kansas State, you know, there's some really good programs you've you've been able to get into. What's this experience overall kind of been like for you as you've been able to Connect with some. I mean, there's some really good old offensive line minds that you've had a chance to, to, to get to know through this recruiting process.
3: Yeah, you know, it's been great. It's been a blessing. You know, it's very stressful, but uh, it's cool just going around seeing all the places. You know, you meet a lot of good people through this process. So saying no to a lot of these schools was pretty tough. But you know, uh, talking with Coach Barnett was awesome. You know, his mentors, Coach Eastman. And just the whole Iowa um, staff is—it's great, no doubt. And then, kind of K State is same thing. You know, I've been—they've been with me from the start, and um, I appreciate everything they've done, no doubt. And but it's been a very exciting process, and I'm very blessed to be a part of it, no doubt.
1: Well Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Any any last words you'd like to leave uh Notre Dame Nation? They're all over here fired up, you know, talking about you and all that. Anything you'd like to leave uh leave Notre Dame Nation here before you head out of here and and uh, get to celebrating your your big day?
3: Yeah, telling telling Notre Dame Nation I'm bringing athleticism, a strong work ethic, work ethic, uh toughness and competitive mentality and a player that's ready to roll. Let's go. And what he's not
1: going to tell you is the kid can
3: flat out hoop.
1: <laughs> You got that from his mom. Yes, so, dropped 15 and a half points per game last year. Did not know your mom actually let me know. She was a college basketball player. So, you know, yeah. definitely comes in the genes. So uh, if uh, Notre Dame students, if you're looking for someone to pick up your intramural <laughs> basketball team, this is a guy you're going to want to get. Six, four, but he can also drop and knock down threes and he can post oh, you man. up. He can do all of it. So uh, yes, <laughs> had to yes, make sir. you smile, Joe. Thanks so much for being <laughs> on with
3: us, buddy. Yes, sir. No problem. I appreciate you all having me. Thanks, yep, Joe. Take care.
1: So that was Joe Otting, everybody. Notre Dame's newest commitment, Ryan. Um, I loved the fact, so he committed several days ago, but he did not want to go public until he had a chance to personally call all the coaches that recruited him and let yep. them know he'd made his decision, which I think says a lot about this young man. But uh, so l- let's kind of dive a little bit into you were we were talking beforehand about the little bit about the backstory for Joe Otting and just kind of how we got here and, you know, there, there's there's two steps to an offensive lineman having a chance to come to Notre Dame. Number one is obviously you've, you've got to be a guy that Harry Easton wants, right? And mm-hmm. you know, rankings aside and all that, that's the big key. And once Harry Easton kind of signs off, I mean, it's okay, yeah, the kid can play. But there's a second, really important factor in this that 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 I think also we have to we have to discuss and 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 di- talk about because it, it's equally as important, and that is Matt Bayless. Yep. And that's what part of last week was about. Notre, he, Coach Eastan and the staff wanted to – Coach Reese, Coach Eastan, they all wanted to see Joe up close. Part, let's see how he works. Let's see how he takes the coaching. Let's see, can I instruct him on something he can easily – because like what he said, they teach what Notre Dame does. So you get the kid in camp. Hey, we're going to teach him some things that he doesn't do on film. How quickly does he adapt to it? Can he pick up the zone stuff quickly? Can he take something we teach him? And, and you know, we talked about this in the show yesterday, Ryan. Can he mm-hmm. take it? and apply it quickly and all that stuff, check the boxes. But the final piece was Matt Bayless has to look at this kid and say, okay, he, he, he has the, he has a frame that I can work with. It's very similar to Ashton Craig last year. That's a, I mean, they're very similar in a lot of ways, you know, doesn't have the natural girth maybe, but once Matt Bayless kind of signed off, I think that was, that was the final step needed to say this is a kid that we're going to do that. And then once he did, than his spot in the class because coming into last week it wasn't a given they was going to have a spot for him they liked him but they really wanted to see him in camp they really wanted coach Bayless to kind of sign off on it and and once that, that that all checked out it was a it was a no-brainer there was never a question after that that they whether they would or would not make room for him in this class and we'll explain that here in a little bit but just kind of want to talk about that part too it, it was really important to get him on campus and see what he could do
2: yeah, I know it sounds weird to size a high school recruit up, right? But it's important. That's the body typing. That's projecting how big a player can hold, how much weight a player can hold. We've talked a lot about, like, Nicholas Petit-Freer coming to Ohio State. It's just like, Emil body, Amiel Wagner, like, what, what do these frames hold? What can they hold comfortably? And it's really a great point, Brian, because I actually, uh, again, I talked to Coach Arnold, his high school head coach, this morning, and he told me that when he was talking to Joe about through the recruiting process, the two people that I you need to get to know, the position coach and the strength and conditioning coach. He understands that there's development that Joe needs to take place in the future from a physical perspective. And he also knows that the ability to see him in person was paramount for mm-hmm. this one, right? Like they love the film. And we're probably going to show you the right. film at some point here. Right. It's great film, man. Quickly, there's no yeah. question, no question at all that the film is fantastic. The question is, can the body type hold up the athleticism right. on film? Because that's probably the most attractive right. thing for me on film is that this kid is a really gifted athlete.
1: Right. And I don't think anyone that's watched this film questions that. I mean, the athleticism is there. The punch is there, which we'll talk, we'll show when we get to film. It's really about, you know, look, there, there are some kids that I've seen that I've recruited to the Division three level that you're like, this kid's got great film. This kid's a great player. Like, this kid's a great offensive lineman in high school. but He's 6'1", 235 pounds. Just he's never going to be able to play at that level just from a size standpoint alone. And and so that that's a big key It's like and and that's where Matt Bayless has to be valued as someone like, oh, look, we got to sign off on this. Right. And if you listen to Harry Heastan talk when he was hired and you've listened to him talk about Matt Bayless, you can see that there's a respect there that he has, just like everybody else in the program has with. Let me make sure the coach Bayless is on board with this as well and and once all those things kind of checked off it was a no-brainer. I mean, like you said, the staff liked this kid a lot. I think once coach Heestand got the film on him, just like Sam Pendleton, once he saw the film on him, he's like, "Yeah, I got to have this kid." Now, let's talk specifically about why Joe Odding is is also an important player in this class because Notre Dame had two main objectives coming into this class on offensive line. One we've talked a ton about Ryan, and that's offensive tackle. That's a huge one. This is not meeting that need right? Joe is not even a tackle in high school. He's a guard in high school, as we'll show you on the film. The other one was you needed to, you needed to rebuild the center depth chart. Look when the 2023 class shows up, Jarrett Patterson's gone. If Jarrett Patterson moves to guard your centers after that are Zeke Carell, who's going to be a fifth year senior when this class shows up and Michael Carmody, who's going to be a senior, when this class shows up now he'll have extra years of eligibility and all that because of, you know, COVID and redshirting and all that. But these kids are getting up in years. And then you look at the the younger classes, Patty, Co- Pat Coogan is just not your typical like high level guy. He's just a nice tough kid, but he's not, you know, he's a guy that you need to try to recruit over. And then after that, you have maybe Ashton Craig who could play center, but also could play guard could play some tackle. You know, he's got some first vers- versatility, but he's a guy that could potentially be a center there's some talk about Joey Tanona possibly being a center, but that's a big question mark now about you know his future and, and those type of things. So they really needed to get someone who could be a center. The way they were looking at it early on was Saraveld and Pendleton were two possible as a center. They never felt super comfortable with either of them being great fits at center. You know Pendleton's more of a big strong kid. You want to have him as a mover at guard. Saraveld, the question was the the, the question the coach Easton had. They loved his size and his toughness, but the big question they had was, can he move well enough to play center? And and so once they kind of got involved with Joe Otting, it was like, no-brainer. That's the potential center, assuming that he checks all the other boxes. And that's what they see because, you know, he's got the quickness. He's got the athleticism. He's got the punch. Once they checked off the body type, it made sense. So this is a kid that is being recruited at center from everything that we've been told. And that was a need coming into this class. And I think of the kids they've looked at, he's the most natural transition athletically and size and body type and all that to that center position.
2: Well, I think it was like one of the first times we watched it, Brian. We watched separately. And and I think one of us texted the other and was just like, this kid's a center. Like, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And because
1: we were, remember when he got offered, it was like, what? What? I mean, what? what, Why are they offering this kid? Like, because look, Ryan, the natural reaction is, even for us who don't care about stars, the next reaction is like, okay, this kid's a three star, like, you know, like six four, two sixty. What, what are you talking about? So we're like, okay, let's watch the film. And that was the first, the first two things we said, Ryan, one was this kid's a center. The second one was what you you remember?
2: Nasty. Or he's, this kid's really, not even
1: athletic. The athletic thing wasn't even the first thing we talked about. Like we talked about that next, but it was like, dude, this kid is physical. Like this Mm -hmm. kid is nasty. And that's something that I think you have to have like that was the thing about Emil Wagner that, that kind of eventually sold me on a senior film. like I, I was really against Emil Wagner early on because I'm like, dude, I don't see the frame. but especially as a senior, you saw a kid like, but this kid's really physical. this kid get you know he, he doesn't have to be 310 because he's strong and physical. He doesn't have to get to two you know 305, 310, 315 because he has that punch, that length, that physicality, that toughness. Same thing with Joe. Joe doesn't have to get to 305 because he's got a level of punch and physicality and the demeanor that says, you know, he could, he could do a 295, 290 and be okay because of the quickness, the pad level, the str- just the natural strength. Cause when you see him, Ryan, when he uses his hands and he uses his hands pretty well, he's violent. I mean, he's got very strong, natural hands And that was the first thing that popped out to us on film. One
2: thing that I, a great quote, that's going to be in the piece tomorrow, not to, you know, give too much out there, but I talked to coach Arnold this morning, Brian, this is one of my favorite quotes. It was like, this kid is the most well-mannered, just soft-spoken kid. But when he gets a helmet on, he gets a little crazy. Like he literally said, (laughs) he gets a little crazy. I'm like, that. that matches perfectly, man. Him Mm -hmm. pulling, him working in space, which, people are going to say like, why is movement such so important to the center position? Because a lot of times you're uncovered and you're working up to the second level. You have to play in space a little bit, play on, play it to linebackers and other second level defenders. And you see that athleticism. It's easy. Maybe we'll throw, throw you out a couple of high school uh, basketball highlights that just kind of oh, work again. We're going to
1: show those. Oh you know, yeah.
2: We just got to show because This kid's a skilled player. This isn't just a big guy posting up and doing some, some work down low. Like this kid is Pulling up, handling the ball a little bit. This is a gifted athlete who, like Brian said, has a mean streak to him as well.
1: I, I'm going through kind of my notes that I that I took on him when I'm breaking down his film. And one of the one of the notes I have, Ryan, is violent. Mm-hmm. He's a violent football player. And and I think now's a great time to I think now's a great time to bring up the film of Joe Otting and, and break that down, Ryan, because I know that's the best way to show. We can t- we can talk about it all day, but let's show it, right? And and let people kind of see. You know, that that potential, because look, the one thing we're going to, we're going to just, let's get it out of the way now. Right. And I said this in my class impact, the size is the, is the concern and it's, it's filling out. And it's the reason I give him a three and a half star grade is because of the size. And I got to see him fill out because he's not ready to play right now. Right. So there's a lower floor because of the size, but the ceiling is much higher. And, And, you know, he's an Ashton Craig, Joe Walt. And I said this last year, Ryan. Give me a Joe Walt and an Ashton Craig every year, and Joe Odding is this year's version of Joe Walt and Ashton Craig. Yeah. Uh, yes, he's gonna maybe need some time to fill out, but the other tools are really good. And if that part shows up, then this guy kid's got a chance to have a high ceiling, which is why he has a four and a half star upside grade. So let's dive into his film, Ryan, and, and, and take a peek at, at, at Joe Odding's film. and it doesn't take us long to get to the part you talked about where you see the violence and just the physicality and the athleticism of this young man.
2: Oh man. I feel so bad for these kids. Cause for people that don't know, he plays at Hayden high school that's in Kansas. So not playing the highest level of football, but man, he just, I feel like this is just a pancake. Look at Express. this kid's
1: chest. Like the kid's chest <sighs> goes back.
2: Yeah. He's got some natural power to him, which is really nice to see mm-hmm. for a guy that needs to fill out. Like there's core strength there to work with. Mm-hmm.
1: He down blocks this guy off the screen. <laughs> and again, look, we understand he's playing against not great competition. And that's part of the reason you need to get this kid on campus and size him up and see how he moves and all that kind of stuff. But he's here's another note that I have, Ryan. Finisher. Mm-hmm. Yes. He does a lot of that stuff right there. Yep. So as you as yeah, talk, just, talk people through Ryan, just kind of talk people through like, you know, what they, what the, the athletic aspects of it and, and just the different things you see from this kid to make you like him as much as you do.
2: Yeah. I mean, you see the initial explosion out, out, out of, out of his stance, right? Like, I think that there's explosiveness through his hips. The one thing that I always look for when I watch, especially interior offensive linemen is when you make contact, you're always taught to run your feet through contact, but there's some guys that the, just the natural power through their hips just transfers so effortlessly. And that's where that athleticism is for me. Like this kid is a powerful athlete. It's not just that he's fleet of foot, which he is. He can work to the second level and laterally really well, but you can tell when he makes contact, he's got easy power through his hips. He can just roll through it. I mean, look at this working in space. It's not easy. I, I played offensive line in high school. It is not easy tracking down a linebacker or a safety or second level defender in space. But he makes it look so effortless for a guy his size, which we're talking aiming points, of course. There's technique to it. There's good eye discipline, all those things. But if you're not a good athlete, you're going to miss your target more often than not. And this kid, I think the athleticism just pops on film, whether it's as a nimble athlete and whether it's like Jet Lat right there where you see that hit power being able to roll through contact.
1: I think the thing that you notice too in this film is you're going to see the kid line up at three different positions. from. Uh, 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 I mean, he's played right guard, left guard and left tackle. When you watch some of the game film, the kid shows up and he's playing right guard and left guard in the same game, because that's what some option teams will do. They'll have like the quick side, strong side, you know, so it's like based on what the call is, depending on where you're going to go. The fact that he can switch between right handed and left handed in the middle of a game, too, also says a lot about this kid's dexterity and this kid's, you know, just the fact that he can he can play with both hands and it just adds to his versatility and those type of things. I mean, he's got a lot I mean, right there. Is that him, an H back there? Yes. Maybe. Yes. No, is. that's him mid tackle. That's left tackle, but he's just off the ball. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you see, it. you see, you see the kid doing a lot of different things in the middle of a game and, and he's, he's a talented kid. Again, just the only co- 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 concern is, can he fill out? Can he get to the the necessary size? And and that's why his ranking is understandably going to be lower than some other kids in the class, because he doesn't have that body type. But this is the kind of kid I said it about Ashton Craig last year. This is the kind of kid I said it about Joe Walt the year before. He goes to Iowa. And where I was wrong about Joe Walt is this part of it goes to Iowa. You don't hear from him for two years. And then next thing you know, out of nowhere, the kid's a first team all Big Ten player. Mm-hmm. Right. And, th- you know, that that's what Iowa and Wisconsin have been making a, a just a living off of for years is exactly this kind of this kind of player, you know. And that's what I think, Joe. I mean, that, that uh, Joe Wadding brings to the table. He's just he's just that typical kid. That's what we say. You can say whatever you want about the rankings. But when Kirk Ferentz and Harry Heestan want a kid, I'm paying attention.
2: Yep. Yep. And he's he's a kid, too, Brian, where although he's playing at a lower level, It seems like he really is coached pretty well, man. Like, his aiming points Mm -hmm. are pretty good. His ability to work in space, angles, everything looks pretty solid in that regard, Mm -hmm. too. Mm
1: -hmm. And this is some clips of him on defense, obviously. I like that quickness off. I mean, he's not a defensive player, right? But, like, this is a nice first step for a kid who projects as an offensive lineman is really athletic talented football player you know like look at that look at that move like look at that the, the change of direction here is is again for a kid that projects as an offensive lineman is what we're talking about here right
2: mm-hmm. yeah I, I love guys that play both sides of the football man that's it just yeah. tells you i mean it's it's it translates right because it's like this kid is the best player on his team that translates i i talked to The coach and he said Brian that he's had one kid that's going to Kansas State. He's had one or two, I think, that went to Air Force. This is the highest Mm -hmm. level kid that he's ever had. So this kid is playing a man amongst boys at his level.
1: Watch this hand play. He he rips this smacks this guy's hand away, then rips through. Like that requires some some technique, some quickness. Smack his hands away, then rip through is not an easy thing to do. Nope. It just it, again, it's about hand speed, and I'll, I'll say this too, Ryan, and you can oh goodness, you can see it here. He's not a really super long guy, but he doesn't have short arms either. For an interior right. guy, his, his length is is to me a a plus as an interior player for me, as an interior player for me, because right. you don't want a guy that whose arms are too long, and you don't want a guy whose arms are too short inside, right? Because the too long is a center; it's not it's not an issue at guard as much, yeah. but as a center, you can have two long arms. And I, and honestly, I think that's been a bit of an issue for Jarrett Patterson at times is when he's, cause like, you know, he has a high number of snapping fractions cause it is a longer process for him. Cause he's a long guy. Like, I think he has like tackle length in my opinion. I won't be shocked if he has, you know, length that makes p- some people, Gee, could this, yeah. Yeah. Could he play like tackle? 33
2: and some odd inch
1: arms? Yeah. I wouldn't right. Be shocked right. Yep. Um, you, you, you also don't want like a guy with like really short, you know alligator arms either. You want a guy that's got that, and and I think Joe has that. Like Sam Mustaver had pretty decent length for a six two guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it wasn't too long. And I think Joe brings a lot of that to the table. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna pull up the basketball film, Ryan. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up now. So we're going to, we're going to see some who we're going to see the kid playing basketball. This is, I I, th-
2: you, I think I watched this first, Brian. I was so excited yes. about
1: it. I'm pretty sure I sent this yeah. one to you. Yeah. And then was, you went disrespected his points per game in the article. His mom was not happy about that. which Mac, was you blame, you blame She was Mac's so preps sweet. She was so nice about it too. She was uh, like, we're joking. Like she's busted your chops. She really did. And she was like, Hey, just wanted to let you know, like, right. We really, she thanked us for the article and really appreciated We gave him respect. And you know, like, you know, didn't just hammer them, oh, why they all from the three-star kit? You know, she was very kind and things. She goes and just just by the way, the eight point six points per game was his sophomore numbers. He actually averaged 15.5 last year. And when you found out she was a hooper in college, like, okay, now I understand why she took that a little bit, you know. So let's get might to some, to, some might have to get Mrs. Odding on the podcast one day. There you no? go. She'll <laughs> school you on, on hoops and stuff. So let's watch. So the reason we're popping in the high school basketball film is because we want you guys to watch his feet in the athleticism. Like this is a very coordinated, very skilled, coordinated kid. Like it, it, you know, it's, it's an impressive deal and you can see the attitude on the basketball court as well. This is hey, him coming on we defense. Did-
2: one thing we didn't mention too, Brian, is that he is a basketball player as well. So I mean, that's I mean, immediately I mean, I'm pretty sure the coach told me he's up to around 270, 275 pounds just after basketball mm-hmm. season, right? Like that's right. where guys usually add a ton of weight. Basketball probably keeps his weight down for
1: him. I want to show these last two clips again. This is you see the length here when he goes for this ball with this, you know, this a little bit of a high. Look at that length. Gets down, comes back up. This is another example of just the agility that this, and the skill, the coordination that this kid has. Like, that. oh, man, I, oh,
2: I love the footwork in the post, man. I love it. Popping love
1: threes, it. money. <laughs> money. Look oh. at that stroke. Bam. It's clean, man. It's clean. Yep. Man. Very skilled. Again, you, you see the athleticism here. Another three. Bam. You can't leave them open. And, and look, he leaves it up there for a minute. I love, this kid's got some swagger. Like, okay, I'm just going to let that hang up for a minute. Let everybody know you shouldn't have left me. Oh, I got this. Very quick, very agile kid. Stop leaving him. Come on, do you guys not read your scouting reports? Come on. <laughs> he's got really good
2: footwork in the post, though, man. Does. You see
1: that foot quickness,
2: and he's just—he's a really yeah. smart player. Like he just right. has really good skill as a basketball player.
1: Yeah. Look at that spin move. I mean, like you're, no, we're being serious now. Like th- this is the foot quickness that we're talking about, right? Like that requires quickness, agility. Uh, it requires athletic skill. This isn't just, you know what I mean? Like, oh, do you see that? That was a buzzer beater. Watch this. See the clock going down? Gets it off quick. Buzzer beater to win the game. Well, at least to put them up. It looked like it was 41 to 40. And I know I know, we're having a little fun here, obviously, but this stuff does matter. Yeah. I mean, coaches it does. love
2: multi-sport it does. athletes. They love yes.
1: it. Yes. Well, and it just gives you, and Harry hestand has been known in the past to, when kids played basketball to go show up at their basketball games, because it, it allows you to, you see their conditioning level and you know, does this kid run up and down the court five times and he's got a, he's, he's at, he's tapping out, you know, or he needs a breather uh, it is after a couple minutes of on film, is he kind of the last guy down to court? You know, what kind of motor does he have? And then of course you see the footwork, you see the hand eye coordination. There's a lot you can learn about a kid athletically. It doesn't necessarily translate to football specifically, but it gives you a sense of what he can do athletically and, and sure. from a competitive standpoint and from a conditioning standpoint because obviously you got to be in pretty good shape to, to play basketball you know and and the point is if this kid's 260 playing basketball and he's lumbered up and down the court and he you know he's got every every three four minutes he's tapping out then that 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 kid's going to struggle to put on 300 pounds and be able to play college football right and that's that's why that matters where if a kid can be 260 and he's you know averaging 15 and a half points a game he's on the court he's running up and down the court he's driving to the hoop and those type of things and okay, this is a kid that can handle putting on some weight because he's a really good athlete. He's in great shape, you know, so he can handle that weight a lot better. So no, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a very skilled basketball player as well. So we just wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of a taste of some of his basketball skills. So j- just so, so athletically, you could see what this kid brings to the table. Now, again, the same question that we had at the beginning still exists now, and that is going to be whether or not Joe can fill out and, and you know, be 290 plus. 295 plus. Those are questions, but we can't answer those today. You know, I mean, those are going to be answered over the next couple of years, but what we can address and what there is to like is the fact that this kid athletically is very skilled, very skilled athlete and a lot of power as we saw from the film. So I think those are, these are all fair questions. And again, like I said before, I mean, he had, he had, he had offers from his region. He had all all the right offers, right? Iowa, Iowa state, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Kansas state and all the right schools that you want to make sure a kid has offers from he has offers from.
2: Right. And, and I mean, can we, can we talk for about for a second, the fact that we talked about him playing at a lower level of competition in Kansas, that also means that there's not as much exposure for him too. So people always say like three-star three-star sometimes if a player isn't from a great region or isn't from a school that produces a lot of talent, they get a little underrated. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how you can watch this kid and not think that he's a four-star caliber player. I just don't right. agree with that.
1: Right. So that is Joe Otting. Everybody, from a film standpoint, you know, there's a lot to like there. You know, again, on the on the football field, there's a lot to like. On the basketball court, there's a lot to like. This isn't a kid that's a really good at basketball player. You got to kind of project for him to play football. He's great at both, and I think it just kind of shows his athleticism. I believe. Did I also see that he does some track stuff like some throws, or am I confusing him with somebody else? I, I think he does. That's
2: usually a, okay. a little little three three yeah. thing that they usually do. I, I'm gonna look it up, but I'm pretty sure he's a shot putter, if I remember correctly.
1: So yeah, so that's that is Joe Odding. Now look, I understand it. Not a sexy pick. If you're someone who who looks at that, I, I I'm not criticizing. I understand it. I understand the other aspect of people say, well, he doesn't have any big offers, and they're gonna talk about Alabama and Ohio State i get all that as i've said before though the offers that matter most to me are the offers that involve schools that are really good at developing that position and and when you look at that position this is a kid that to me is is a you know hat it, it checks all the right boxes in my opinion and you know he's he's already ranked higher on two of the services than what tyler linderbaum was coming out and i, I should point out Looking at on three, it says here that Tyler Linderbaum was listed at six two two fifty five coming out of high school, uh, by them, and then Rivals listed him uh, at, or I mean, two four seven Sports listed him at six three two ninety, and then Rivals listed him at six two two seventy, which is those are always kind of funny. So, uh, so he, just is, a, he is a he is a shot putter, Brian. Just looked it
2: okay. up, forty eight five and a half inch shot putter as a junior. Okay. So, pretty
1: solid number, good number. Okay. So that is that that is uh, that is Joe awning Ryan. So mm-hmm. let's talk specifically about the center position. I gave my opinion on it early. I want to kind of get your thoughts on it now. When you watch him play, and, and, and you and I have broken down his film several times, and once we realized he was going to commit, we went back in again to just kind of to, to kind of see what we thought, and you know, just I, I come to the same opinion. So I just want to. When we, when, as now that we've kind of narrowed down where we see his position. Number one, he doesn't have to only play center. He could play guard, but the, the center is the position they're recruiting him. How Specifically to the Notre Dame offense now, Ryan, yep. how do you see the fit? How do you see the transition from a skill set standpoint to that position?
2: Well, I think one thing that Notre Dame does well is that they kind of mix up the run game a little bit. But, I mean, there is a heavy, obviously, influx, inflection of inside and outside zone, right? And I think when you're talking about that type of system for the center – you have to be able to move, work to the second level, work laterally and outside zone scheme. Those things really matter from the center position. And I thought Pendleton, and we've talked about this before. I think Pendleton can play center, but I don't think that's his best position, right? I watched this mm-hmm. kid immediately and I'm like, that's a center. Like that. he's mm-hmm. long-term. I'd be surprised if he wasn't a really good center. So like you said, Jared Patterson's gone after this year. Two years from now, you're talking about Zeke Corral being a fifth-year guy, Michael Carmody being a senior at that point. What is the next step at center is a big question mark. And the good thing about Joe is we've talked about it. He needs development. He needs time in the weight room, but he's not going to be forced into action right away. Most Mm -hmm. likely, unless something happens, right? So he's going to have that time. And I think this kid could be the center of the future. It's very possible because he has all the tools. It's just about reaching that height as far as from a physical development perspective.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm looking here too, Ryan real quick. And, uh, Tyler Linderbaum on the Iowa roster. So the official Iowa roster is a true freshman was listed at 6'2", 270 on the University of Iowa roster as a true freshman. So I just thought that was noteworthy. He you was, know, again, you he was, I actually had a
2: story. I actually had a story, Brian, that he was only about 260 pounds when he was a redshirt freshman playing center. So yeah, he, Tyler Linderbaum was very small. He finally bulked up to like 296 at the combine, I think, but everybody knew that he played in the two eighties at most right. like, during an Iowa career.
1: Right. So, so, okay. So let me, and he was, he was only listed at six three two ninety on the roster last year. So talk to me about, that's an undersized guy. Why was t- Tyler Linderbaum able to be successful in, in just using him as example? And, and, you know, is that a guy that you'd consider a cop for Joe? Is Joe a different kind of player? You know, cause that's one thing we get asked a lot. Cause I know you were super high on Tyler Linderbaum coming into the draft and and thought I, I believe if I remember correctly, you were, you thought that the Ravens made a great move to get back into the end of the first round to, to take him, correct? So just yeah. kind of compare, just so people can kind of understand that 260, 265, 270 doesn't mean that a guy has to, you know, can't get to 305, 310 because it doesn't because he doesn't have to get to 305 to 310. I think is right. a perfect example. Well, it's a play style perspective, right? Like it's Tyler
2: Linderbaum was not going to be for everyone at the next level, but for teams that maximize movement skill at center, they love the kid because he's a special athlete. The one thing Brian, I'll always say is you can't be small and unathletic, right? Like you have to have one of those. And I think that you see a lot of those things with Joe Otting, like the kid can move in space and he is a really good mover to the second level laterally inside outside zone scheme. I think he's going to be a great fit for those. We'll see how the, weight develops we'll see how the physical development happens from that from that sense but yeah I think that the 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 parallels are interesting because like you said Linderbaum was actually a defensive lineman to start his Iowa career so it wasn't even Mm -hmm. a certainty that he was going to be a a center but what Kirk Ferentz and that staff maximized out of him is he's a really gifted athlete for that position so think of again not a direct comparison but in a similar vein to Tyler Linderbaum Jason Kelsey, like that's your brand of center that you're looking at right here. Guys mm-hmm. that you want to get in space, the movement skills are what Joe Otting brings to the table.
1: Let me ask you this question, Ryan, when, when you look at a guy like, or let me make this comment and, and make sure that people understand this. I, I've seen some stuff in the chat and others and people say, you know, if you take Joe Otting, you run the risk of not being able to take Monroe Freeling and and or Charles Jagasol. And all. Listen, this has nothing to do with those two players. We'll have that conversation here in a minute when we talk about what's next on the offensive line. But he was recruited to play center, and so any impact he has is on a guy like Sam Pendleton. Meaning Sam Pendleton doesn't have to project at center, right? right. So you understand is as, as we said, and I wrote about this in the class impact. Notre Dame had two huge needs they had to fill in this class: improve the depth at tackle. That's a that remains to be seen. That there's that's still a work in progress. You needed to find a, a center, and Joe Wadding fills that need. For Notre Dame in regards to being a, the center prospect, so that is now set. That that is now set. Notre Dame has their center. They have one other interior player. Now it's about focusing on. Now you look at filling out your tackle position, and so Elijah Page, Charles Jagasaw, Monroe, Freeling, Those guys are going to ballot out for two spots or three, depending on what's going to go. But you're not you're not not getting those guys because of this commitment. There's another commitment that could happen that would have a greater impact on those. But just understand that Joe Wadding fills a need that had yet to be filled and wasn't going to be filled by the, the guys left on the board. He wasn't going to be filled by Elijah page, Monroe Freeling, or Charles Jagasaw. And I'm just going in yeah. order of when guys visit for that three. So just want to make sure that we understand that this is a different, this is a, this is a different situation. He has he is filling a need for a position that currently they didn't have anybody that could fill it that, it, that where it was their number one fit as a position. Cause I think the point you made earlier about Sam Pendleton is important, right? Could Sam Pendleton have been a center? I think it, he could have, but would that have been the, the the first place you'd want to put him? No, and that matters.
2: Yeah, he's he's more so. Just for a comparison's sake, like Sam Pendleton playing center is more Josh Myers than it is these outside zone heavy schemes, right? right? Where because he's more of a power dictated type of player. Can he do it? Sure, but your offensive system may have to be a little bit different than what you would have with a Joe Odding at center. And it's a great point, Brian. Like, again, this isn't replacing a Charles Jagasaw or a Monroe Freeling. Like, this is no indication of the offensive tackle board. They mm-hmm. found a center, Harry heestand found a center in the, in the 2023 cycle that he thought could be the guy, right? Like, he thought right. development-wise, he could be a player for me down the road. That's where Joe Odding comes into this. This has nothing to do with the offensive tackle board. So, great, great I- point there.
1: I want to mention this, too, like Zach Martin, one of our, our longtime contributors, says, is Billy Shrouth been considered for center? He says, I I know, but he played the All-American game at center and looked solid. And he says, if he's one of your best five and is a center, just a thought. And, and my point is, yes, I do think Billy Shrouth. I mean, any player, I mean, Jarrett Patterson was, was recruited to play left tackle and quickly got moved. You're going to move guys to get your best five on the field. The, th- the issue is, however, and I've always felt this about Jarrett Patterson. And we've talked about this before. Yes, Jared Patterson proved to be a great center, but I still don't think the center was his best position. I, I still feel like if the need was there, Jared Patterson would have been a, a really good tackle. And, and, you know, that's why I'm uh, – the only reason that we're hesitant to move him now is just because of he's been at center so long. But I would never argue that coming into college that was his best center or his best position right. was center. And so the the point with like Shroud and some other guys with 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 – like you mentioned with Sam Pendleton, it's not that they can't play center – but if they're not as good at centers, they are at another position, but they're still one of the best five, then you're not getting the most out of that kid. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Notre Dame is weighing with Jarrett Patterson is like, okay, we feel we may actually get more out of Jarrett Patterson as a blocker, maybe not as a leader and you know, making calls, but as a blocker, as a guard. And, J- and Zeke Carell obviously is more comfortable at center. And I think right. that's an example that shows just because you – can play one interior spot doesn't mean you can play the other because sure. Zeke Carell looked like a, a, a legitimate power five starting center against North Carolina and Alabama in 2020, right? A, a developing one, a guy that still needed to work, but he could hang in those again in those moments. And then last year looked like a guy that shouldn't be on scholarship at a place like Notre Dame. And then this spring as a center again, and he was a guard last year. Now is back at center. He looks like that dude again that we saw a couple years ago. That was a top 100 recruit coming to high school. So just because you can play another doesn't mean that – and this is what we've said before. Getting your best five on the field doesn't mean you can just put anybody anywhere. Some guys can't right. play all five positions. And guys like Jared Patterson are rare. And we saw that with Zeke Carell Now, is that true of Billy Shrouth? I don't know. Is that true? I mean, can Can Ashton Craig play center? We're going to find out. Never seen him Maybe. do it before. Billy Shrouth right. looked like he could hang a center. There's no doubt. But he's still a better guard. And so that's why it is important to, to get a guy like a Joe Wadding in this class and an Ashton Craig last year so that way you have those options. You don't, you don't have to put Billy Shrout at center. Now, could you move Billy Shroud to the center if that's the only spot that's open and he's clearly one of your best five? No doubt about it. No doubt. I think you could even move Billy Shrout the right tackle if the need arose. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel he could be a versatile guy. But Joe Wadding, like you said, Ryan, he's got the, the height and the length and the leverage – Like how he plays from a leverage standpoint to be a center. And then athletically, he's got all the tools that you want to be a center. His quickness is fires off the ball. And then the final piece that to me to project a center, I think your potential is limited at center or capped at center if you don't have really strong hands. I think, and and I think that's another reason why I think that Jarrett Patterson was able to. I think Jarrett, I don't know if, if I would call Jarrett Patterson incredibly strong. Like, I don't think he's going to go to the combine and throw up like 33 reps. But mm-hmm. I think he's got strong hands. Quick, But too. even then, I think he's going to be bet- even better at guard where he can now use both hands to block. This is a kid, and this is one thing I liked about Ashton Craig last year and I like about Joe Ading now, is he's got really heavy hands to where he, he can snap and punch at the same time and be able to hold his own and be effective, which not everybody can be that way. Yeah. And, and so those are more reasonable. I think the fit is there for this kid.
2: Yeah. And I, th- I think the important part of the, the hand usage is the, the hand strength is you have light hands a lot, right? Cause it's difficult to snap and then get into the, the, the motion of blocking. It's not an easy thing. And then you also think about blocking back if there's a pulling guard, right? Like, and you have to have strong hands to hold momentum there. So yeah, I mean, you're playing in tight spaces a ton. So inside it matters a ton, whether we're talking about center or guard, you have to have strong hands, but the big plus for a guard is that usually you have a little more time than you have at center, right? Like you have to get that snap off, come out hard, get, get solid hand position, good angles, good aiming points, all that stuff in a very short amount of time. So yes, I think that the hand strength is very important. I think the athleticism is very important. And then like you, I mean, one thing that can't be undersold as well is whether because Joe, Joe had played guard and tackle during his Hayden career. And whether he was at guard or tackle, uh, Coach Arnold, was he was the one that was making the line calls. He wasn't the center. It was always Joe Otting. So that communication aspect of being able to set protections and having that type of thing, he said in his entire career, Joe Otting is the only player that he has ever let set protections for his offensive line. So that communication aspect, I think, is huge, obviously, for center, which is hard to quantify for a high school. Was it
1: always line. quarterbacks before or the coaches? Before.
2: I think I I think coaches and quarterbacks, I think there was a combination there, but he was the first offensive lineman he has ever let set the protections up front.
1: Interesting. Very, very interesting. So let's talk a little bit about how we kind of always wrap this up, right, Ryan? Is after we've talked about the player, we talk about what's next. And I think this is the really interesting aspect of what's next. Because I believe there's three players on the board left for Notre Dame on the offensive line. And there's I can only confidently say that there's two spots. We're going to dive more into this specifically as far as who is going to come or not next week, but let's just kind of set the table. This is now your third offensive line commitment in the 2023 class. Mm-hmm. You've got Sam Pendleton and, and and Joe Otting who are interior players, even though Pendleton plays tackle in high school, but he's in, we project him as an interior player. You have Sullivan Absher who – you and I, it's kind of funny. You and I feel the same way about Absher and Jagasaw. It's just reversed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I believe you see Absher as a tackle first, guard second, correct? No, nah, I, I
2: kind of prefer him inside a guard. You've kind of I'm come kind down of to
1: him being an inside guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Jagasaw I see as a tackle that could be an inside guy, and obviously Freeling and Elijah Page are, 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 are tackles. Pure tackles. In yeah. my opinion, pure tackles. Mm-hmm. So you've got sort of three of your spots done. You've kind of got your interior handled now. You know, if it, now again, they're they're they recruited Sullivan Absher as a tackle. They're gonna give him a chance to tackle, but as we always know those kind of tackles for Notre Dame have a chance to move inside. He's a Josh Love caliber kind of player. Mm-hmm. So now it's about finding tackles. That's the emphasis now. That's the key. And Notre Dame has three kids on the board. One is already visited for this month. That's Elijah Page. We talked about him yesterday. Notre Dame absolutely knocked that visit out of the park. Notre Dame is going to be hosting Monroe Freeling this, this, this weekend. And then they will have Charles Jagasaw on campus. A couple, He's either, I'm not sure if I got to talk to Sean. He's not coming from the 17th to the 19th, like that Friday to Sunday. I believe he's going to show up on Sunday and then stay yeah. till like Monday or Tuesday for his official visit. And then that'll be the last of his visits. So it's those three guys and Notre Dame for sure has two, two, two spots left. And my understanding is they're going to take the first two of those three that want to commit. That's my understanding of it. Now, depending on how the order goes of who wants to commit when, it's going to be tough, but I'll just say this. There's a lot of talk about six offensive linemen and all those kind of things. I'll say this. So talking to sources, it's it, it won't be easy. But Notre Dame has not closed the door on six offensive linemen. And the reason why is, is that the guy that they expect to pick last from just a timing standpoint is Monroe Freeling, who has said adamantly he's gonna carry this into the ball.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: My understanding is if you're you're not gonna say it, it's gonna be tough to do, but we're open to it, is because of him being him and Jagasaw being the last. Most likely Jagasaw and Freeling will be the last two guys to make a decision. I think Elijah Page is going to make a decision this month for whoever and then we expect Jagasol to to has said to Sean that he could see himself wrapping things up end of June July or end of June into July and then of course Freeling has been adamant Ryan you know yeah I could change my mind but there's always that but I'm I'm yeah. pretty consistent in the fall so I, I, there's it's a work in progress it's mm-hmm. but what I know is that of those three guys, Notre Dame views all of them as kind of being on the same level. Now we can all agree to disagree, or whatever the case may be, but you know, because because how we feel about it, and like for me personally, right? I know you agree, you don't turn down Monroe Freeling. You don't. He's I too w- good. I
2: wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah.
1: But I'll say this also, but Notre Dame also feels the same way about Charles Jagasaw and Elijah Page. Now we can agree to disagree with them and all that. That's fine, but I'm just telling you how Notre Dame feels, and and you know us here, we're not a agree with it because Notre Dame says so kind of thing, right? No, no one's infallible. But you and I all you, I understand the dilemma that Notre Dame find themselves in because from the minute we started watching Elijah Pages, you know he doesn't have the floor of Monroe Freeling and Charles Jagasaw. This guy kid's got an incredibly high ceiling, yep. and and you know I love Charles Jagasaw and and obviously Monroe Freeling, we both view as a dude. So th- they're in an they're in an interesting situation now moving forward, Ryan, because they're they can only guarantee two more spots, and there's three guys that they view as big time players. Because you have to understand some, Harry Heastan, Tommy Reese, does they do not care one bit about rankings, not one bit. Mm-hmm. They look for potential upside. You know what can this guy be if he taps fills out his potential. And when they see these three kids, they view all of them in a very similar light. If this kid reaches his full potential, he could be a star. I'm just telling you what I'm told. And and Elijah Page the same way. And then when they met Elijah Page, one of the things I was told about him during his visit is he has ballooned. And Well, I shouldn't say balloon because that makes it seem like fat. He has filled Fell. out big time. Yeah. <laughs> like he's three bills now already mm-hmm. is what I was mm-hmm. told. And it's a healthy three bills, meaning like this kid's going to be huge so that is something that kind of swayed them as well right because when you and i were watching the film we're like "Yeah, you know, don't know how big this kid is like you know maybe he was listed like 290 295 and we're like i don't know if he's that big right and he told us he was 280 on film like 275 280 on film and you didn't see that that big size and all that and but you love the frame and the length and the athleticism was all there well if he's already three bills now and and i saw a picture of him from camp and Ryan, it is a solid. I mean, it's a it's a well put together three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to say, okay, the size is there, but then you got to evaluate these three guys. So they're in a very very unique situation. And I said this yesterday, Ryan, and I, and I I said it. You just kind of then moved on. I want to get your opinion on it. Yep. I am, and it's the third time I've said it. I am vehemently and belligerently against taking six offensive linemen in one class. I'm I'm against over signing at a position. But for anything, just like I'm I'm against putting all your eggs in, in a quarterback basket, but there are always exceptions to the rule. Like Dante mm-hmm. was an exception to the rule of quarterback. We'll see how that pans out. We'll talk about that in another show. This is one of those years in an offensive lineman where when I look at what's in front and I look at what's behind, I believe that I would take six. And I'll state my case here in a minute, but I first wanted to kind of throw the floor to you and say – is this a year that you would consider figuring out a way to make room for six guys in this class?
2: I mean, that was like one of the first things we talked about on the phone yesterday, right? When you hear that things are trending well with Joe Odding, things are trending well with Elijah Page, your initial thought is we thought it was four to five players, five offensive linemen kind of being the cap, but there's three really good players that are still on the board, man. Like, And we know timeline-wise, the first thing I asked was, you know, what's that mean for Monroe Freeling? Because that's, you know, that would make it, that would take it to six because he was in theory the last guy that's going to make his college decision. And you know that I am a big advocate of this. You cannot not take, I know it's a double negative, but you cannot not take Monroe Freeling. You can't, I mean, the kid, in my opinion, and I know he's, you know, a top 100 player, but in my opinion, no matter where he ends up, this is a top 50 player in this class. We both have him graded
1: as a top 50 guy.
2: Yeah, he's, yes. he's tremendous, man. Like, I, I would argue that he's a top 30 player. Like, I think mm-hmm. of that highly of him. He is a fantastic, fantastic football player. So, yes, take it to six if Monroe Freeling wants to come. Absolutely. Because I love Charles Jagasaw's upside. I love Monroe Freeling's upside. And you know I like Elijah Page. I was like, for a mm-hmm. while, if you're going to take five, Elijah Page at the fifth in the ideal world is great. Like yeah. I love Elijah Page's upside. But I'll, all I'm going to say is with the timeline, how it's going to end, You have to go to six, in my opinion. I don't know if it's a reality, but in my Mm -hmm. opinion, you should go to six because Monroe Freeling's special.
1: Sure. Let me ask you this question. Yep. Let's say you get get Elijah Page, right? Let's say he commits soon. And then let's say Monroe Freeling decides during his visit that he wants to come to. Mm -hmm. Do you say no to Charles Jagasol? I, the, I think that's yeah. the problem that like I can't talk myself into saying no to any of these guys, and that's the problem. Now you could say, yeah. well, they shouldn't have taken this, but they took those guys and they like those guys. And I think Sam Brent Pendleton brings something different to the table that you're looking for something different than what those other guys bring to the table. Yeah. And, and so I just I look at it and I say, you know, you couldn't have said no to the guys that you had because you would have needed to hit, hit the inside straight to, to to go past five. You needed to get everybody. Well, mm-hmm. that's kind of where we think they are because I I think the one thing is I don't think Notre Dame is as is, is confident in their position with Monroe Freeling as you and I are in their position with Monroe Freeling. I think that's the concern. Right. I think the concern is that you turn one of these kids down and then Monroe Freeling picks Clemson or Georgia or Bama down the road and now you didn't get the five. And I think right. because of some circumstances on the current team that I'm not comfortable talking about that I think people know what I'm referring to. There's now a greater need for a fifth offensive lineman in this class, mm-hmm. and and so I think the circumstances have changed in some ways to me to say, look, we can't we can't say no to Page or Jagasaw because we view them as big time players, and then lose Freeling down the road. I think the reason for the openness to six is more about what you just said we can't say no to page. We can't say no to Jagasol because they're too good, but we definitely also cannot say no to Freeling. That's my, my read of the situation. I know other people are saying that they're not, that they're not pushing for trust me. Notre Dame loves Monroe Freeling. I think they're the only concern here is some people at Notre Dame aren't as confident with where they stand with him. Right. I think it's more about them just not knowing how to read him than it is anything else. And I've tried, you know, tried to make that clear to people that i think you're reading him wrong you know mm-hmm. but we'll we'll see we'll see but the point is is that i will say this you have to get one of page or freeling you cannot miss on both of them you mean jack, because the, jack no 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 page oh, and no. freeling okay page and freeling and the reason why is because they're the only pure left tackle types on the now look a left tackle can play right tackle right sure. I, you and I agree on that but a right tackle can't always play left tackle in in a pro style offense and Notre Dame is a pro style offense so between Page and Freeling you have to get at least one of them in order to for me to say because it's not just about getting three tackles Ryan you got to get mm-hmm. somebody that can play left tackle right and I think that's the key that's the key is getting one of those guys that can be a pure left tackle and and that's why I say Paige Jagasal is important too I'm just saying mm-hmm. Between those two, with Jag- I think they're going to get Jagasaw. We feel good about they are, where they are there. Between Page and Freeling, you've got to get one of the two because you have to get at least one guy in this class that can be a pure left tackle. Because if Emil Wagner can't fill out, because again, we have a similar question with Emile. Here's the difference between Emil Wagner and, and, and Joe Otting. If somebody's thinking like, wait a minute, what? Hold on. He's listed as the same weight as Emil Wagner. What's the issue? When you look at Joe Otting, you see a thick, lower-bodied kid, right? So he's going to have to add weight here. The problem with Emil Wagner is he looks his he's got a thin lower body, he's got a tight end defensive end lower body. He does not have an offensive lineman lower body. That's a concern with Emil. And mm-hmm. if he can if he answers that, then he's going to be fine. He's got five star upside, is what I gave him last year. It's it's about can he fill out. So, and Joe, I'm not as concerned about that to be honest with you. But you need you need tackles, and if Emil can't pan out, then you don't really have a whole lot of left tackles left on the board in my opinion yeah no you're not wrong yeah I mean that
2: that layer is really important because we've been we've talked about this right like I think we see Sullivan Absher pretty similarly it's like okay he's gonna get a shot at right tackle but most likely he might be a guard long term we'll see what happens Charles Jagasaw if he's a tackle he's a right tackle like he's not going to be a left tackle in in Notre Dame's system Elijah Page absolutely has left tackle traits and Monroe Freeling has special left tackle traits. So you can't miss on one of those players. I agree completely. You have to get at least one of them in the class. Otherwise you're gambling. Like I don't like Mm -hmm. forcing yourself into a corner, right? Like you want options so that you make the best option. You don't want to make an option. You don't want to have to make a move out of, out of desperateness, right? Out out of disparity. You like, you don't want to do that. And I like Emil Wagner. I think he has upside, but if he doesn't pan out, what are the other options that are on the board? You need those players mm-hmm. so you have options. That's what that's what right. this recruiting cycle is about. It's about the depth at certain spots so that you have options. You're not forcing right. the playing players that aren't ready or aren't suitable for their role.
1: Yeah. I, I saw something, Ryan, that just I found flipping hilarious. Uh, D Troll Hunter says, I feel like Brian hang hangouts with Harry Easton. And they just grumpily watch film together and call not done, Ryan, and call Ryan to talk film. <laughs>
2: why am that's I not included? Never happened? In these, why are these why am I not included in these film breakdowns? I don't understand. Well, because you, you live in Jersey. There?
1: You can't come yeah. over because so Coach Eastan lives here, I live here. You can't come over and hang out with us. I, you know, I'll, you're in I'll Jersey. take the red eye, man. I'll take the red okay. eye out. Uh, <laughs> you know, with Zoom and everything, you know, I can say that's never happened before. Uh, but I wouldn't say no. If very He oh, call no. was like, Hey man. You want to hang out and watch a film I, <laughs> I would just kid, like i would just speeding speeding listen
2: though. I, w- to- <laughs> I wouldn't talk man I would just listen
1: <laughs> oh dude if I was in the room my only work swear- like I know I talk a lot and everybody you talk over people whatever it's, it's it is what it is uh that would be one of those times I'd be I'd be like yes sir- mm-hmm. yes sir uh follow-up <laughs> question okay yes sir mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes sir yep. no doubt no doubt that'd be amazing but uh that's something that you hear a lot about these kids, though, right? Is is they talk a lot about, you know, man, just watching film with Coach Easton, right? What what did Joe say? Like one of the coaches that's recruiting him talked about how he was kind of groomed by Harry K- Sting, K-State. you know,
2: right? Wasn't it K-State's right. offensive line coach? I think right. And right. to your point, Brian, I, when I talked to Elijah Page and we had a piece out today on it. He, I mean, he said almost word for word. He was like, "It blew me away sitting there and watching film with Coach Heastan because he just points mm-hmm. out stuff that you don't even think about, right? Like that's right. the difference." And they res- they respect that man. Like they, it's because offensive line. I feel like they get a bad rap, man. Offensive line is a very to thinking position, position right yeah it's it's not yeah. like a these guys aren't just like big cavemen just roaming around right like mm-hmm. they're smart sharp kids You can man. do that in high they school really are
1: You can do that in yeah. high school you can't be like that in the NFL I mean in in yeah. college football in the NFL you really can't you really can't mm-hmm.